0: Welcome to Nuggets Numbers. I'm your host Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It's Monday night as we are following up a, a, a Sunday night football that that featured good friend of the pod uh, Matt Moore's Kansas City Chiefs uh, demolishing, just decimating the the Denver Broncos uh, by by a final score what was it? Six points? Was it a six point margin? Or am I, am I crazy there?
1: Yeah, it was a six-point margin after they did not call one of the touchdowns, and then another one was called back, and then uh, a bunch of tip passes, which is pretty hard to sustainably do, and then uh, every single break in the world went the Broncos way. You almost made it into a field goal game. Almost.
0: Good job. I I can't believe they they punted on fourth and three at midfield. (laughs) Why? Why can
1: they – What what
0: about Vic Fangio has –
1: I do not understand this. Let me explain. Every single time I watch the Broncos, and I have bet the under on the Broncos the last four seasons – When in the Vic Fangio era, I feel awesome at the end of the game because I, and I fade them week to week too, because I know he's going to make about three to four, just absolutely mind numbingly stupid decisions. And mostly it's gone unnoticed around Broncos country. Like his clock management is Andy Reid before Patrick Mahomes esque. Like it is
0: bad. It happened in week one. Like, like yes. this is this is not something that should be new to anybody. But it it is what it is. We're 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 frustrated over here. Fans are trying to talk themselves into Drew Locke, and I'm just over here like, hey, hey Trevor Lawrence sounded pretty good when they had one win. But it's all right. It's all right. We can figure this out. Uh, today's podcast is about the Nuggets. It's going to be about the Western Conference. But we did get some breaking news earlier this evening that I thought was really interesting, and I thought we should talk about. On this pod, uh, Monte Morris signs a three-year $27 million extension to remain a Denver Nugget through the 23-24 season. Uh, first of all, your initial thoughts on the deal and, and why it came to be at this time. So I'm not surprised.
1: I think Monte was, Monte was, in, was in a Schrodinger's Monte situation uh, in the offseason where... Right. When I talk to people in the front office, everyone was on the same page with, we want to extend him. We think Monte's great. It's really valuable having a backup point guard who is low maintenance, who's just like a solid guy in the locker room. Um, And we feel like we can get him at a pretty good number. You know, we think that it's important to keep Monte. At the same time, whenever there was discussions of a Drew Holiday deal, the possible swing in that was Monte Morris was like, okay, we'll give you like bull bull and multiple picks, and uh, Gary Harris, and or Will Barton. And then the sweetener is, we'll also give you a backup point guard. And when that deal didn't go down, it made a lot of sense to go ahead and move on Monte, and not have to go through the final year, and then deal with, like, restrictive free agency can get messy, and, like, you can wind up losing him. Um, So I think there's, they wanted to keep him, and they wanted to get the extension done. I don't understand it in the broader scope of their off season, but as an individual talent move, I think it's really valuable. Like backup point guard is one of the most important positions outside of like star player that you can right. have in the league. There are so many teams where you're just able to say, if they just had somebody to run the second unit, if they just had yeah. anybody who could run that second unit? And I thought Monte in the playoffs last year, he was bad. And then this year, he had some bad games, but he had some very good games as well. And that progress, I think, was really important towards this. Um, he's just such a steady voice on all levels. He's going to be one of those guys that plays you know, 10, 12 years in the league. So I think getting him on a three year deal at this number under 10 is great. I think that, that in a vacuum, the Monte Morris extension, it makes a lot of sense and is a good deal as part of a broader tapestry of the nuggets off season. It's a bit perplexing.
0: Yeah. I'm with you. It, it definitely felt like the nuggets had stacked all of their chips into this Drew holiday deal and felt that, Hey, we're going to start kicking off all of these moves with the premise that we could eventually get this thing done. And, uh, one of those was bringing in Facundo Campazzo, who I think doesn't necessarily make sense on this roster next to Monte Morris, but some people seem to think differently. Uh, in a vacuum, you're right. Monte Morris at three or 27, that sounds great. It sounds like a, a, an ideal move for a team that, hey, let's face it, Monte Morris has been one of the most consistent players on this roster over the last two years. He's, I think he's the only guy who's played in, all, in every single game over the last two years. And there's some, there's some luxury in having that consistency from a year-in, year-out basis. Uh, but you're right. They have Jamal Murray. They have Gary Harris. They have Will Barton. They have Monte Morris. They brought in Facundo Campazzo. They kept P.J. Dozier. They have Marcus Howard for some reason. Uh, I, I'm just still here trying to make sense of the plan, and, and I'm, I'm a little bit I I just don't know what they're going to do. I I think there's going to – like Michael Malone said, he's going to have to get creative on the defensive end. I think he's going to have to get creative with his overall rotation because there's just so many guys who deserve to play, and this adds another one of those guys to the list that I I don't know what they're going to do. There will be talk of like three-guard lineups. It's one thing when you're running three-guard lineups in OKC
1: with six-extruder, like six-four-extruder, um Shay who's huge and Chris Paul yeah. it's another thing when it's Jamal Murray at technically 64 Gary Harris at technically 64 neither of them feels like a 64 player um Campasso at 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 511 and Monte at 62 like they're just given their perimeter size problems have been consistent and they got somehow worse on that end and I mean, a lot of it is honestly. It's like if you want like the, the most cynical view on this, if you only sign guards, you have to play Michael Porter Jr. There's <laughs> there's no way for you not to play Michael Porter Jr. If we no. give you two centers and
0: eight guards and and, and winning there, there's hands. certainly.
2: It Roll certainly it felt
0: like some of that, like like they they didn't bring back Tory Craig for a reason. They yep. they lost Jeremy Grant despite the fact that that not being their choice, but they willingly moved on from Kade Bates Diop in order to make some of these yep. moves. So I I am just I'm just perplexed. I don't know what's going to happen. Is it a ball ball situation where he's legitimately going to play the three? Like I I am I am very curious as to what Michael Malone's plan is. Uh, whether that's going to gel well with everybody else on the roster and if there's, there's going to be some, some unhappy campers heading out of camp and, and six weeks into the year where P.J. Dozier's played six total games.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, P.J. is not in a position to really press the issue, right? Sure, and that's sure. kind of the upside. It is weird to me because, look, like, I've heard a lot of optimism about P.J. going into camp. Like, there's yeah. just a lot of, of optimism about what P.J. could, could bring uh, overall, Now, like, he's 6'6", and feels like he's 6'6", so maybe you can swing him at small forward some. Like, he's a guy I think you could play three guards with, right? Yeah. So, like, oh, yeah. a Monte, Compasso, Dozier lineup, I'm like, okay, you've got lots of playmaking, you, you <laughs> know, depending on who the pick-and-roll... I don't know who the pick-and-roll big is for
0: Monte now. Like, that's the other thing, is, like, if Najee doesn't play... Um, and like you you're not a you're not a subscriber to the Isaiah Hartenstein tree of life. I am. I love I I, I love Hartenstein. I, I love him
1: actually a lot. And like that's probably the replacement is Like they just play two man game over and over again. And they, and like he just re- slides into that Mason role. Yeah. But you know it's like okay, you're just gonna need more scoring. Like you're just, you just just are like you're just gonna need more yeah. scoring on that second unit. And maybe that's solved by the crunch and the starters where, okay, well, if Will Barton is coming off the bench, maybe he's like more of a featured scorer um, with that second unit, which obviously will doesn't want, as he said, very plainly, I am a starter in this league. right so like like part of it is I try and give I try and give uh, front offices in these situations a break. like their plan was to retain Jeremy, and their yeah. plan was to retain Jeremy uh, and go forward. And, like, they had limited resources to do other things if Jeremy said no. And Jeremy said no. And so now it's, like, like they wanted, like, Malone made it clear they wanted Compasso for, like, ever. That they've just wanted him for for years and years. Um, They clearly feel like he is not going to struggle the way that... um, Every single 5'11 player in the history of the NBA has struggled. Um, And that's fine. Like, I'm open to being wrong on this. Like, I get that he plays tough. I get that he's dogged. I get that he's got a lot of heart. I I get it. I I think that my problem is the NBA. I do not think the NBA is actually a superior league in a lot of ways to uh, Euroleague in that the best players may play here, but they've all been brought up under the same concepts and everybody wants to be an off the dribble scorer versus in Europe, there's a better understanding of like skill versatility and passing and these kind of things. However, I do feel comfortable in saying the NBA is leaps and bounds the most athletically in the world. And that's where size gets to be a problem. Like it's just an issue. Um, Chris Paul even had some issues in the playoffs in terms of his defense, yeah. just because there's only so much you can do when you're short.
0: No, I'm with you. Like there, uh, on Basketball Reference, they had, they had ten guys listed last year who were five eleven or shorter that played a minute in the NBA, and the three best players that they had on there were DJ Augustine, who's who's fine. He that's a good a good idealist Nuggets uh, legend. Uh, DJ Augustine. Yeah, Nuggets legend G- DJ Augustine. You had a uh, Jordan McLaughlin. Who uh, who's good for the Minnesota Timberwolves in a backup role, and then you had Isaiah Thomas, who uh, there there were some struggles there. Don't get me wrong. Uh, that's it. Like that's that's the the scope of the guys five eleven or under who are who were successful in the NBA last year. So it's not like they're, there's not a high batting average with these guys when it comes to that. And Monté Morris was already a guy who you you struggled with size wise mm-hmm. in the backcourt when you when it comes to the playoffs. Like, so. It, if you put
1: if you put P, if you put PJ Dozier next to Monte Morris, I'm like you can cover like you yeah. can find somewhere to put him, you know, depending on who else you've got in in on the on the court. Like if they're a reserve unit, like if they were, let's say they roll out a three guard lineup that's Monte, Gary Harris, PJ Dozier, um, uh, uh, like Paul Millsap and Isaiah. Okay, yeah, that unit can defend. Like, I feel fine about that. You know, you can hide Monte one spot. He is still pesky. Like, he's persistent. He's going to do his job. He's not lazy. He doesn't give up on plays. So, like, you're fine there. But if you put Monte and Compasso in the same backcourt, I'm just trying to think of teams that you can get away with that where they're not just going to have trouble with the fact that dudes are just going to blow by them, not with speed, but just in raw, I'm putting my shoulder out here and you are too little to reach around and grab it. Yeah. and I think a lot of it, a lot of this is based off of like the enthusiasm amongst our colleagues is based around, oh, but it's going to be so fun. Like is just such a fun player. And I'm like, you yeah. went to the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> like, we are past the fun team that's going to whip the ball yeah. around and would be lots of fun. Like this is, the Nuggets are not a, you know, league pass sleeper team. This is a serious contender to win the NBA title. I don't know why we're worried about being fun. Like, I'm not saying that, like, you know what's fun? Winning basketball games is really fun.
0: Yeah, I agree. I
1: don't, it'd be one thing if it was like you were just going to slug it out with a post-up big that was only going to like, like Tim Duncan, right? Who's like, in my opinion, is is maybe the third best player of all time. Like, that's one (laughs)
2: thing. I'm here for it.
1: Yeah, like, that's one thing. But like, Jokic is inherently insanely fun. Jamal Murray is insanely fun. So I don't know, I just don't know what the point is of being like, they're going to be super interesting and they've got all these lineups and like, look at what they can do that's all weird and different. And I'm like, the league is, now I will say this, they're, they are definitely zagging, right? Because the league is all zigging towards size to battle the Lakers. Um, right. The Pelicans went with Stephen Adams and Zion Williamson. Like they're just going to try and break sternums every night. <laughs> um, you know, you've got, like Portland is now running like Covington, Nurkitch, Cantor. Like they have, and when Collins gets back, like they have size. Sure. Right? sure. Um, it's a big team. Yeah. Like all of these teams are kind of going big. Like Utah's back to favors go Bear because they realize what they miss with favors. Right. Um, so you do have an opportunity to zag
2: here. I just don't know if you're facing the jazz. Right. And it's
1: Clarkson on the second unit with I'm trying to think of who their backup
0: point's gonna be right now. Um Oh God. Like I yeah, like I don't know. Because like they're this probably the well key. here's the thing. They're gonna just play a starter. Like that's that's just what they're right. gonna do. So
1: like, so this is kind of the key though, is like it's these moves are kind of okay if you consider that you can get away with this stuff more off the bench. Right? Yeah. Like it's okay, like you can do this if you if you do it off the bench. Um, and maybe some of the interesting thing is what they're going to do with the starters, because at this point in time right now, I'm kind of expecting that if everybody's a
2: go for Saturday, that we're going to see Jamal, Gary, Will, MPJ, Jokic.
0: I really think he's going to do it, man. That's a That is fascinating, and it's it's a lot. It's something that a lot of Nuggets fans, I think, would be really happy with. I'm not sure if I would be happy with it, and I think that there's a lot of like safety concerns with with even just putting Porter and Jokic in the front court by themselves. Like, I think you 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 maximize a lot of the problems that you have by by doing that. While I, I I think it's diminishing returns offensively if if you're trying to add in pieces like that. But but at some point. You have to figure out a way how to play all of these guys, and, and maybe that's the way that they decide to do it. Maybe they decide to put Millsap and Green in that backup front court, and, and that just solves that issue as opposed to putting in Hartenstein there or Bold there, and you just have a bunch of vets that can cover for some smaller guys in in the backcourt there. I, it, I'm I'm still confused though. Like I, I I can't wait to see how this all shakes out because. There are so many different routes that I feel like Michael Malone could be justified in going this year. Uh, I feel like most of them have to point towards Porter in the starting lineup. I mean, that's that's just kind of a given. But the question as to what position, is this this a situation where the backup bench unit is going to kind of dictate how he starts the game? Or is it going to be the other way around? Because I would like it for it to be the other way around. No, I, I, he
1: won't ever, he, no NBA coach, especially not Malone will ever determine what he's doing with the, by determining the bench. Like that's not, he won't do that.
0: So what's um, the justification then with, with going with Porter at the four? Five best players. Yeah.
2: Like that's, that's, that's a very, it's a very reductive
1: approach to basketball, but there's a lot of reason to think that that's the way to do it. Like, yeah, a lot of what Houston did was honestly like, why don't we just? Land? And this is also the Warriors, right? Like the Warriors' sure. vet ball lineup was entirely, why do we have to play these guys just because of their position? Let's just play our five best guys.
0: And yeah, it, it, there's there's some logic to that. Don't get me wrong, but right. I think if it was more of a counter than than the uh, than the opening punch, than than the well, thing that tries to get you through a seventy-two game season. So I think here's the thing.
2: Um. MPJ needs to start. We agree on this. He just needs to yeah. start. Yeah. If you don't play Gary, there's a number of effects to that. Right. If you, don't, if you don't
1: play Gary, you diminish his trade value. If you don't play Gary, you wound his confidence for a guy that has, not only is he a good player, but is stuck by the franchise and been every, like he's been a complete professional through everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you bench Gary, even if you put Will at the two and MPJ at the three and Millsap at the four, you still only have one good defender on the court, right? True. Like what yeah. you're saying is, you're saying Millsap and or J. Mike can still, can, their presence at the four is so important defensively that it makes up for the loss offensively. Like Mm. I don't for whatever problems Gary Harris is, has had over the last couple of years and he's had flashes, but still I don't think you can say Millsap or J Mike add more offensively than Gary right now, even at this current state. And so it's probably as simple as, okay, you have one good defender. Will's (laughs) pretty, Will was pretty good last year. Like Will was. was pretty good. He was. And here's a big part of it. If last year they had trouble because the starters were not that great. Like they just were not, they weren't, especially in the first half, they weren't, I I can't, I can't recall all the times that I would think, why aren't the nuggets up more at the end of the first? Like they just would start slow almost every game versus if you're just like, we're going to play fun and have all these weapons and a different person, guy is going to be going off every single night. If you go that route, and you've maximized spacing, then you can feel pretty comfortable that like, okay, even if they're getting killed offensively, how many teams are you really concerned about being able to keep up with you across a 72 game schedule? Like the Clippers. Sure. But that's a game that you'll probably make mid game adjustments for. Um, in the regular season, what you need is you need a baseline that's so high it allows you to beat most teams and the simple talent of that starting five probably gets you to beat
2: most teams.
0: I can see that. I can definitely see that. And there's, there's some, there's some absolute logic to that in a situation where this, this season is weird, where sometimes you just need the, the consistency that a, a Gary Harris, Will Barton, Michael Porter Jr. Trio could bring you in between Murray and Jokic, like, there, there is absolutely some logic to that. And it's not something that I had ever seriously considered because I didn't think that Malone would actually do it. Uh, but, hey, we're there. And, and he has talked about being creative. He has talked about trying to do several things uh, and, and generate as great of an offense as he possibly can. I asked him earlier today, like, what, what are some of the ways that he could do to maximize uh, Murray and Jokic uh, given that they're high mid-range shooters, and I think that the best way to do that might just be to space the floor out as much as possible, and and that put, that means Porter's at the four, and Barton's at the three, and Harris is at the two, and you just try to go from there. But I, all of this, all of this is still so confusing to me. I still think that they're one piece away, and I don't know who that is. And I, I I don't know where they get it uh, because everything has kind of changed ever since the offseason.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think it, a lot of it is uh, the big problem with Jeremy was that he was such a specific fit. Like that's that's the problem is like, you don't just need another piece. You need a specific piece. Right. right. Like, right. If you bring in Brad, like if, if things went South as Westbrook and you bring in Bradley Beal, you're Not still, sure, Like it doesn't solve anything. You're still undersized in the backcourt. You're still like Beal was a good defender circa 2017-ish. He's later in his career and those guys get to a point where they're making so much money. It's just that's not their job anymore. Um, Right. I think like you need a a Jeremy Grant. You need a stretch four that can shoot from the outside, drive a little bit, super athletic, can run the floor. Like – there's just those guys don't grow on trees. They just don't. Like that's they're super valuable at this point. So you have to figure out, you have to be creative. And I think J Mike was a fine rotation. Like if they if on Saturday they start J Mike at the four and and one of Harris Barton. Like I honestly. I don't know. Like, I've gone over this a million times in my head. Like, okay, what well, if you, you bench Harris? It's like, well, you're going to hurt his confidence and you diminish his value. His contract's going to be considered overpaid. It makes it harder to trade him. I don't know how well he works with the bench unit. It's going to be – he's going to be pretty pissed after everything that he's done for the franchise. Um, you bench Will, he's going to be doubly pissed. Contract year, trying to get himself into like – like he's trying to get back from injury, all of these things you bench MPJ, the fan base is going to lose their minds and MPJ is going to constantly be complaining about it. Like there's just no good option. Like there's just not a good option here without a trade. Um, Mm. And there's no one to trade for. So it's just like, they kind of just, this is why I think maybe you just start the the best five and figure it out from there. Like if you're getting killed defensively, keep Harris on the floor, put Millsap in all of a sudden your defense is going to get much better. Like, if you got pull, if MPJ is gonna be the first reserve out, MPJ has gonna be the first reserve out. Like that, just sure. may be how it is. And actually, I don't yeah. mind that because I would like, to, I would still like MPJ to anchor a lot of the bench units when when Jokic isn't on the floor. Like MPJ needs a good spread of minutes with and without Jokic to both give him opportunities to handle the ball more and work alongside Jokic and the and and you know benefit from the gravity that he creates.
0: Sure. No, I'm with you. I, I think there are so many questions to, to answer and we're, we're going to get a window into that on, um, uh, on Saturday. That's the first, the first time that we're going to have any of this and, and it's going to be crazy. Uh, this turnaround is crazy. You, I know you've talked about that already and I'm, I'm curious to see how they handle it. Uh, whether guys are resting or not, that could, that could potentially solve some things, but it's not, it's a band aid solution to, uh, to a lot of these concerns. Um, uh, real quick, let's, let's take a break, and when we come back, I, I kind of want to pivot into this, this Western Conference discussion. Uh, let's talk about the playoff teams, talk about everything that's going on in the rest of the West. We'll be right back. Nuggets numbers. Ryan Blackburn here, joined today by Matt Moore at HD Basketball on Twitter. You can find his stuff over at the Action Network as well as on Locked On Nuggets with good friend Adam Mares. Uh, okay, so I wanted to have you, you on with this discussion because I I think that of especially of the local media, uh, you you're not you're kind of hybrid role between local and national at this point. Like like you have the best pulse on the rest of the West and the rest of the NBA. And I figured it's, it's a good as time as ever to really discuss before things get crazy. Uh, the Nuggets lose a bunch of ground in the West or are they in the same place? It doesn't feel like they gained ground, but is it really justified to say that they, that they're behind teams like the Blazers or the jazz or the Mavericks because they lost Jeremy Grant. Now I'm, I'm curious to see how that, how that sort of evolves. Uh, but let's. I, I want to start by by sort of eliminating teams off the bat that I, I don't think the Nuggets will ever really face in a playoff series. Uh, kind of just going in reverse order of the tiers that I have right now. Do you think the, the Thunder, Kings, or Spurs will be in a playoffs this year? The Spurs might if they trade one of the if they trade
1: one of Dresden and Aldridge, they'll probably be in the playoffs. They just need to trade one of them. If they do oh. finally make a move. That team, that's a good team dragged down by two players.
0: Hmm. I, yeah, I, it's sort of hard to evaluate them right now because of the, the two stages where they are. Uh, DeRozan and Aldridge are obviously, like, like keeping them in, in anchored in a past area. But Derek White is really good. Jakob Pertl is, is a solid starting center. Uh, they have good young pieces in, like, Lonnie Walker and Keldon Johnson and DeJounte Murray. Uh, I, I just – I have a hard time evaluating them for that reason. I just – I don't think that they'll ever pull a trigger on a trade.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I just wind up thinking that um, – that I will say there was enough talk around the draft that they were looking to move from people that I, I – like, whenever there's Spurs talk, I'm always like, are you sure because they don't <laughs> really do that. But these people are close enough to the the organization that I was actually convinced that like they were legitimately looking. And so, um I think it's possible, especially I think like look, I think if if the other thing that's key is if it becomes apparent that they're just like they need to play the younger guys because the younger guys have gotten better, that will push them. Like I think that's one of the things that keeps them where they're at is like if pops like I can't move them, these guys are better than the replacements, but if the replacements look better, I think that that changes things. Now, I think instantly, if you move Aldridge, DeRozan looks better with more shooting. Okay. And I think that uh, if you move
0: DeRozan, I think Aldridge looks better with more shooting. Okay. Um, who, but, would, uh, yeah, go ahead. Who, who do you think is their, their starting lineup if they were to move Aldridge? I'm
2: going to assume I mean, they, out there. They, they just move. They would just be Pirtle and Gay.
0: Okay. Okay. So, okay. at the starting four. He's he's stuck around for so long. Like, I, I yep. it's just fascinating to. to so, I mean, like, to look, see how I, his I career don't, has evolved.
1: I don't think, I don't think the Nuggets will face them in the playoff series because their ceiling is probably seven, right? Certainly. Um, but Nuggets are two years removed from being the two seed. They were the three seed last year. Only by a handful of games. It wouldn't completely shock me if the Spurs moved in seven a couple of teams underperformed or had injuries and then the nuggets faced them. Like that's the only one I can really say, like I will not cross them off the Kings. Oh boy. Like I hadn't really looked at their <laughs> off season. Oh boy. And like I, a lot of it is the Kings are like, yeah, but we moved like we moved money and we didn't, you know, we didn't do a dumb deal. And I'm like, that's true. But this year is going to, I think it's gonna be really rough.
0: That's a low bar. That is a that is a low, low bar. Um okay. Next next tier is the the teams that I think they're young teams that could surprise. It's the Grizzlies, the T-Wolves, and the Pelicans. Like I have a hard time differentiating those three teams just because I think they all have questions and I think they all have young stars that, that could ultimately pop and, and really drag them to a playoff seed, but I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether I see the ceiling with those teams quite yet. Uh, what, do, what do you see from from that group and whether they could face Denver?
1: The only one that can really be in there, I think, is the Pelicans. They have enough talent where Bledsoe, Ball, uh, Ingram, Zion, Adams, with Reddick off the bench, Jackson, Hayes, um, they have enough good players Josh Hart, like, they have enough good players that if everything clicks and Stan, and this team just responds to Sam Van Gundy, which I'm kind of skeptical of, but this team just responds to Sam Van Gundy, like, this can be, like, a sixth seed. So I can okay. see them, like, I could see them getting that high um, and and being a potential first-round opponent. The Grizzlies, their big problem is that they mortgaged a lot for Justice Winslow, and he is just one of those guys where... He's expected back in January up. Oh, it's going to be February up. Oh, it's going to be March up. Oh, it's going to be, you know, the, we think early April, Oh, he's back up. Oh, yeah. No, he's out again. Like it's not his fault. That's just who he it Just, there are these guys that their bodies just betray them. And that's how it is. Jackson's out with a meniscus tear, at least until January. It may be, they think it's going to be pretty early. So that should be fine. But they also, they didn't replace anybody in terms of veteran depth. They just added more young dudes they're still going to have problems where they just can't score. The big problem is if you look at last year, they were mediocre on both ends of the floor. They were like mid tier defensively, which is impressive from, from Taylor Jenkins. And then they were bad offensively. Like, right. The I'm writing these capsules on every team and their win totals. And I said that the Grizzlies are basically, if you take out their young star talent, they are the magic of the Western conference where yeah. they're yeah. not bad. They're just not good. And so, like, that's where I think that they wind up. And then
0: um, uh, Timberwolves is the other one? Yeah, they were the other one. I, I, I don't know where to place them because I don't think that they have, like, a, a good three or four. But, but when, you, when you talk about kind of like the Nuggets, like, they have a pretty strong one, two, and five core. Mm-hmm. Like, that that seems pretty good. Yeah, I mean, look, there's
2: just, like, there, <laughs> the Wolves need everything to go Right. Um, like I don't, I I think, I think it's Carl
1: Anthony Towns has faced so much tragedy in his off season. Like, I don't want to put this in the context of basketball because he's got more important things going on.
0: Sure. Sure.
2: But I
1: also don't want to sit here and say like, he's like, he's in a great spot to be awesome and have a monster year. Like he's going through a lot right now. He's just going through a lot, even compared to all of us. Like he's going through more. Um, Russell, who I've always liked, just always fails to make a positive impact. And until he does, you have to be skeptical of that. I have no idea what's going to happen with Malik's court case. I have zero idea what happens with Malik's availability. And that obviously impacts them. Um, So it's just like, if you, if you go up and down, a lot of it for me is also, this is, they made moves last year to start playing more of the style that Saunders and Rosas want, which is much more Rockets ball, threes and layups. But I still think that they're lacking, like the point guard to make that happen. I don't think Anthony Edwards is that. So, like they don't have the guy to drive it. And so um, I'm still pretty skeptical of the Wolves.
0: Yeah, and then, then like they they also don't have Robert Covington, who would be be pretty nice to have right about now, uh, given their situation but it is what it is um yeah i'm I'm with you there like none, none of those three really like none of those three teams really really pop um next tier up is is the the tier four for me it's the fringe playoff squads i have the suns the warriors and the rockets in this tier i know you evaluated the rockets separately from everybody and i, I firmly agree with you like that just i don't i don't know what what to even say about james harden right now like it's just, it's a really rough spot for them to be in, for that franchise to be in, and and I, like like you were saying uh, earlier today, I, I feel for guys like PJ Tucker and and Eric Gordon and and pieces like that. Just wanted to go to work and do the job. Can't do it because some dudes decided
1: that his job's more important than everybody else's. It's- Happens in the NBA and always pisses me off. Piss me off with Anthony Davis. It pissed me off with Carmelo Anthony. There are other people in the universe besides you. The whole idea of you've got to do what's best for you. I think it's true that you've got to do what's best for you. You do not have to do what's best for you at the cost of whatever it hurts everybody else. That's yeah. bullshit and I do not approve. Um,
2: uh, I'm
1: with you. So Houston so Houston, we just set aside and just be like, I don't know, I don't know. um <laughs> I I I think that there's a team missing that you have too high and uh, we'll get to to them in a second. I have no idea why it is that no one thinks the Warriors are going to be good.
2: Like you have, if you make a list of the best players in the Western conference, no particular order, LeBron
1: James, Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard,
2: James Harden, (laughs) <laughs> um, at that point I'm probably saying like I think you're missing
1: Steph right like Steph's so we know not have this guy like,
0: like he, might, he might be at the top of that list depending right. on like what you, what you value now Draymond is currently
1: out uh, with an unconfirmed but everyone kind of understands case of COVID Yeah. so I have no idea what condition he's going to be in when he gets back in Green's not the guy that he used to be like, he is slid. However, he is still a really good defender and a wonderful passer. Kelly Oubre and Kent Bazemore are obviously not replacements for Klay Thompson. They're not B-level replacements for Klay Thompson. They might be C-level replacements for Klay Thompson.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Good good spacing, ball movement, a good coaching staff. Those guys can both be 37% shooters that play good defense. Sure. Weisman – getting coached up down low going to have lots of wide open dunks he'll just be the finisher in that spot when they run the pick and roll with Draymond he'll catch a lot of lobs he'll dunk a lot the bench is going to be better I think than people realize and the reason I'm on that wagon is all of the dudes on the bench had to start last year and they got their tails kicked in all year long but what that does is it does get your it gets the level of your readiness up. You played more minutes. You got more shots. You got, you, you got whipped by the best players on the planet. You picked up a few things, and that helps when you transition to a bench <laughs> role. Like Eric Pascal was a really good player last year, and he's now on the bench. Um, right. So I think the Warriors, to me, are an absolute playoff team. I do not see a situation in which they're missing the playoffs. Uh, and as a little lead-in, I cannot, under any circumstances, understand why they are not considered a lock and the Blazers are.
0: I, I think that's fascinating, and and I think one of, the, one of the reasons why I I was curious about them last year was because of the depth questions, was because of the mm-hmm. the idea of what happens if a guy goes out, what happens if if you miss that player, what happens if player X, let's just call him Raymond Dreen, uh, doesn't go for more than 75% capacity for the entire season. Uh, it, it starts to look a little grim. It starts to look like, hey... The, They'll they'll be able to score in some cases, but I just don't think that that team is ever going to be able to defend at the level that made them the Warriors uh, for most of their tenure. I get that,
1: but you're also factoring in like what happens to the Nuggets' offense if Jokic gets hurt. What happens to like there yeah, there are linchpins there are linchpins on every team, and I think that with the Warriors, like the depth is better because they had to brain Bays more and. They've, like I said, they've got these guys from last year that were not as bad as kind of advertised who wound up, I think, getting meaningful minutes. The other thing I think is, um, I think defensive, like, look, the whole organization last year pretty clearly took off. Like, it had been yeah. an exhausting run to some <laughs> of the finals. Um, and when Curry, they got their tail, they, they, now they got, in the beginning of the year, they just got absolutely blistered. And a lot of that was because they didn't replace Andre Godala and Sean Livingston. They, you're right that there was no supporting core, but they've restocked a little bit of that. And okay. so I think that they've restocked enough to where the curse, curse coaching will get their defense to a level that is, if not great, then good. Um, right. And they're still going to, they're going to have the best shooter in the world on the floor. And a lot of guys that are going to run um, and play a havoc style. And I, I
0: still think they'll be really good. And, and you're you're probably right on this one. I'm I'm more of a wait and see just because I'm on an island. Kind of, I wouldn't say I'm probably yeah. right, Ryan. Like
1: everyone, like you're not. <laughs> you are in the in the majority here. Most people are like, yeah, I don't know about the
0: Warriors. I'm like,
1: look, look, I'm not saying that they're the 2016 team, but Steph Curry's still a
0: thing. Yeah, I well, I I'm that's that's the thing I'm I'm most concerned with probably beyond the depth is just like I just think that at this stage in their careers that Jokic is more of a i mean he okay never mind. let me let me just let me just pivot away from that conversation because I, I get this look from you immediately and we're it's like we're living through the first 6 weeks of last season again <laughs> 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 uh good times uh, okay the the team that we didn't mention was the suns uh where where are you at with them and and like are they I, to me they feel like a a solid playoff team now is that, is that too
1: far? I, I wanted to go contrarian and kind of take their under, but I couldn't talk myself into it once I dug in. The big problem is that last year their Pythagorean win percentage was 506, and their actual was like 0. 0.453. Yeah. So they should have been much better. And even after, if you just take out the bubble games, they were still widely under. Um, they just didn't win games they should have. They had injuries and DeAndre Aiden's suspension for 25 games. That's a huge chunk of the season for a player that made oh, yeah. real strides last year. Um, they missed key guys. Like when Rubio was not on the court, it was really brutal because they didn't have somebody to set the offense. And um, when Baines was out, which was most of the year, they didn't have like, the defensive coverage. Now, I think that there's a little bit of risk with Phoenix in that if Chris is not 100% the whole season, it gets real bad because they sacrificed some depth to get Chris Paul, like to make room for that contract. They said, we're going to get Chris Paul. Who's an upgrade over Ricky Rubio. Um, we're going to keep Dario Saric. We're going to add Jay Crowder and Ewan Moore, more who are probably not as good as Kelly Oubre, but are pretty good. And Chris Paul's improvement over Rubio will be so much that it balances out. And we're going to count on improvement from the young guys. And Booker's finally going to be in a position to be an all-star. Um, there's a lot of ways that this works, but there's a lot of ways that I could see it going sideways. Where if Christmas is any time, I think they're real in real trouble. They're just they're so dependent on Bridges and Cam Johnson and Aiton. Those are, guys are still real young, and I don't trust young sure. guys in those kind of environments. And Booker will will press badly because he's so desperate to shed the label that he's a loser, and so. <laughs> um, like, I think Monty Williams has done a really good job there. In yeah. this, Like, they will be good schematically. Their team will make sense. They're like the, the inverse of the Grizzlies, where it was like the Grizzlies just weren't really good in either capacity. Like, the, the Suns, it was just like, yeah, they're just pretty good in, in all areas. Like, they're just pretty good. They should be good. They should be a playoff team. I have some reservations, but a lot of it is just, if you trust that Going Vegan has made Chris Paul into – a guy that can stay on court into his late thirties and still be the guy that he was last year. um, You should have faith that they're going to be good enough to secure 46 or sorry, uh, 30, like 39 to 40 wins in the Western conference and and get a playoff spot.
0: I I refuse to do the conversions on the 72 game season in my head. That's just, it's just not going to happen. And I'm a math guy. Like, like that's just, that's just, it's just not going to happen. Uh no, I'm with you. I, I I like a lot of their individual pieces and it seems to me like they should all come together to feed to feed a cohesive unit. Uh whether that's actually going to happen remains to be seen. But if there's anybody who can get a lot out of DeAndre Ayton, I think it's probably Chris Paul. Yeah. Uh but we'll it, it again, it remains to be seen. Um uh, okay. Uh next tier is tier three. Uh, These are the I-need-to-see-it-before-I-believe-it teams, Uh, and it's the Blazers, the Jazz, and the Mavericks. Uh, I don't have the Nuggets in this tier, and I think that that's probably going to make a lot of national people disappointed. Uh, But they did make the Western Conference Finals. Uh, We could talk
2: about them.
1: I don't think you're going to see the same attitude towards them, even with them missing out on the national TV games. That was a market decision by executives. That's not based off of, like, I think last year they, like, they proved it. There will be guys that will be like, now, they lost Jeremy Grant, and I'm worried that they're not going to blah, 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 blah. But there's still, like, so many people are the biggest. Look, I'll just, let's be honest. They needed somebody who didn't look like Jokic that they could focus in on and say that dude is real, and Jamal is that dude. Like that's, that's that
0: seems pretty pretty strong and like I, I, I strongly
1: agree on that. Like yes, yeah. um, as far as those teams go, you know it's funny. I really want to fade the Mavericks. I I was I took the under on them last year. I thought I was like, there's no way this team. is Like look, look at this look at this roster, and they were just. I mean they had the best offensive in, in rating in NBA history. There's likely to be some regression. Um, their defense though I think improves with Josh Richardson. Sure. The big thing is that their Pythagorean last year was like sky high. They should have been way better, which is crazy because they jumped 10 wins, but yeah. they legitimately, without playing an extra seven. Um, there's just, when you dig into any sort of like objective data driven analysis of, Matt, of Dallas, you cannot reach any conclusion, but this is likely going to be a 50 win team in a top four seed. Like, there's no real argument otherwise. You can say, like, well, the defense is going to be really bad. Well, it was bad last year, and it's probably not going to be as bad as last year, and they were still like within range on if they like they were the worst clutch team in the league last season, and it's okay to be like there's a reason for that because I think there is, but there's also a number of those that are coin flips that went against them. Um, and so like those that that factor probably improves. so I think Dallas is like it would not shock me at all if Dal- if Denver faced Dallas in a four five or three, six matchup. And if Denver was any of those four seeds, I would not be shocked. So like, I, I think it's actually pretty likely that Denver faces Dallas in a playoff series.
0: Yeah. And it'll be a good matchup. And they are the first team when we, when we come into this discussion that I'm really like, okay, Jeremy Grant would be really helpful in this matchup. Uh, that would be great. It'd be great to. Don't have worry. They'll, t-
1: they'll just put Campasso on 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 Luca, <laughs> and they'll will be fine.
0: Yeah, he'll be he'll out tough him. I'll, uh, I'll hard him. Yeah, more heart. Uh, more heart. Uh, I yeah, that's that's the that's the one that I'm I'm more concerned about outside of the LA teams than the other two teams that I'm about to list. Uh, how much of the Kristaps Porzingis absence are you? concerned about with them because the the numbers last year kind of bore out that he was negligible, right?
1: Yeah. I, he wasn't that big of an impact. He was a negative through the first 30 games of the season, which is when they were honestly at their best. Yeah. Um, it's not the poor thing. It doesn't matter to me. He improves their ceiling because when he and Luca are playing well, they play great. I yeah. don't know if you can have faith. He's going to be around. Um, but they get Dwight Powell back and he was their big pick and roll weapon. Now I don't know what he's going to look like after the injury, but they get him back um they have added some athleticism they've added some toughness i think there's enough there that um even if we just if you just told me that poor wasn't going to play this season i would still feel the same about the mavericks a lot of this is just if you really when you look at like well why why was this you know why were they so good it just it i i'm not a person that likes to reduce things you know this ryan sure It's Luka. Like, it's just Luka Doncic is just that good. Much like just Joker's just that good and it doesn't matter who you put around him, the team's going to be pretty good. It doesn't really matter who you put around Luka Doncic. They're going to be pretty good because Luka's insanely good.
0: If you had to uh, forecast a playoff matchup between those two teams, who do you have coming out on top? Dallas. Um, If they hadn't lost
1: Grant, I would say Denver. Um, But... They have a lot of tough covers now. Like you can put you can put Will on Josh Richardson. That probably is okay. Um, you can put if Ball's ready or MPJ on Porzingis. I guess there's some danger with that, but I think it's mostly okay. The big problem is that they're pick and roll. You're probably going to have problems stopping that pick and roll action, and Luke is going to average forty and fifteen. Um, The other thing is just Carlisle knows how to look. Carlisle has a definite advantage over Michael Malone. I don't think that those matchups are necessarily about who's the better coach all the time. I think it's more about styles and and how you think about the game. The specific way that Carlisle uses his guards to create off ball shooting specifically screws with Denver's defensive scheming. And it's why they've been a problem for Denver every single year. Oh yeah.
0: So. No, the backline back defense doesn't work against Rick Carlisle teams because they okay. just manipulate that weak side help and swing the ball over to the weak side. and It's just an easy open three or a corner yep. three every single time. So I, I'm with you there. It's, that's, a, that's a tough one, and I'd probably project Dallas to win. Uh, uh, Michael Porter Jr. Might, might help balance the scales there, but that's probably my biggest question heading into the season, like whether talent is going to out like whether it's going to matter more than the fit of losing Jeremy Grant. Utah is, is another one that I, we haven't really touched on. Uh, did they get better? Yes. Yeah. They got
1: much. Okay. They're gonna. They're gonna get. They get Boyan back. That alone is a just a big deal. They win that series if they have Boyan. Um, does
0: Denver? Does Denver win the series if they have healthy Harrison Barton for the entire thing?
2: Because that's the counter that I have for a lot of the the Utah fans that'll come yeah, into my mentions. I did say, too. Yeah, I did too. Yeah.
1: Yes, Denver wins. Will's enough to get him
0: get him over. Yeah, yeah, it wins. I just think just having another guard defender like sure. like matters more in, yep. in the grand scheme of the, the, the but, way that those two teams. But here, it. but here's the problem: is they got favors,
1: and yeah. that's that's a guy that just screws with Jokic. He's so sturdy, he's so tough, he's so physical. He just gives Nikola problems. So now they have Rudy, who did a fantastic job on him for much of that first round matchup until Jokic dropped thirty and scored the game winning bucket over his ass. Um <laughs> and they have favors. Like having both of those, I think, is, is huge. Donovan's gonna be better. Conley's gonna be more settled in. Um Clarkson's whatever, but they have more than enough, I think, uh to make a run. Like they they I think have to be considered a playoff team given they were Mike's three rimming out from going to the second round. Um, sure. And they would have presented the Clippers with a lot of the same problems that Denver did.
0: Yeah, I I would be I wouldn't have been surprised if they had bl- if they had come back against the Clippers either, or, or at least like like given them some of the same issues. Uh, that's another one where you think, okay, hey, is is Michael Porter Jr. the difference between uh, some of the fit questions that the Nuggets have there? But you just throw out a Michael Porter Jr. at the three, and he shoots over Joe Ingles, and and is good enough to yeah. do that. Well, I will say I, I, will,
1: say that, I will say that like next, they they will count on it next year. Like if they if they play in a four or five next year, then uh, Utah fans are gonna be like, we're gonna eat Michael Bore Jr. alive. And then it's like <laughs> it's not gonna work out that way because MPJ is gonna be like, no 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 I'm Like I'm I'm a year smarter, so I actually know like I just have to stand by Joe Ingles and go like this, and then holding my hand up, and that's it. That's all you have to do against Joe Ingles, and you're good. So like. Yeah, I I'd like that. That I'm not worried about as much, but I think it, the bigger problem is just I think Utah was so bad defensively, which is so against their character. I think another year together, and I think Quinn Snyder's a good enough coach. He'll figure it out. Like they really slid defensively for the first time. And I expect that now that they've kind of figured out how to play together, that they're going to get a lot better and get back to being like Utah's been a top five defense every year.
0: Um, yeah.
1: And they were number one several years in a row under Snyder with Gobert. So, I expect them to get back to that level. Now that may blow up because of Gobert and Donovan and the fact that everyone's like, no, oh, they're over it. And it's like, they're not really over like, you know, we'll see how it goes. But um, in general, I think they're pretty safe for a playoff spot. And
0: I wouldn't them and Dallas, I think are the two most likely teams for Denver to face in a, in a first round
2: playoff matchup. Yeah, I
0: can, I can definitely see that. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see whether either of those teams can just go on a run and rack up regular season wins. I also think that Denver's kind of that same way where if the formula works and they could rack up regular season wins and maybe maybe get in into a top two seed as, uh, over a Clippers or Lakers if they're if they're a little bit like uh apathetic uh, yeah. for, for lack of a better word. Um the Blazers. Are you so so I, I've heard your discussions on the Blazers. On, on a couple of occasions and, and I'm, I'm curious and I, I share a lot of the same beliefs with you. I, I just want to hear you verbalize that again. Like, do you think that Nurkic and what he showed in the bubble is a good representation of what he's going to be going forward?
2: Oh boy. Um, I think the best way for me to describe it is this. I am not confident he is going to be a net positive.
1: Sure. I think he's going to be a player – I think there's a strong likelihood. I can be wrong on this. I'm open to being wrong on this. I'm open to being wrong about everything, but this is especially one where I'm (laughs) like, I'm not married to this take. Sure. I think there's a strong possibility that he's a guy where everyone goes like, oh, he just does so much for you on the defensive end. He's just – you look at him and, like, look at the big fella blocking the shot. And then you go back and you look, and you're like, they're getting outscored by six more points per 100 possessions when he's on the floor. They're giving up a 110, 112 defensive rating when Nurk's on the court. Like, that's been who he's been outside of one year for three-fourths of a season before he got hurt. Um, and maybe it's because of the injury. I'm open to that. Like, I'm not saying it's – I am not confident in this team being able to defend. I'm just not. They don't have a lot of veterans who are good defenders. Covington was an upgrade, no question. And that helps. I don't know that Covington is going to get back to defensive player of the year status, which he was in his early Wolves tenure. Like there was a couple of months there before he got hurt where people were like, he might be the defensive player of the year. He hasn't looked the same since he got back from injury. He wasn't the same last year with Houston. Like right, I
0: was surprised when they would just he would get beat. Um, he did some good backline stuff. He did some good like like center stuff, but that's right? not ever something he's going to really do going forward. He's tough, and that's good. Carmelo was pretty good last year defensively. Like he just he would for for the
1: low bar that we set for Carmelo Anthony, he was pretty good. Sure, sure. I just Dame CJ Gary Trent Cove Mellow Nurkic Cantor. There, there is only one player in there that I go, that's a plus defender, and it's Robert Covington. Gary Trent might get there. I'm open to that. But, yeah. like, that's the only guy that I'm willing to say is a plus defender across the board in terms of what his impact on the defense will be. And you could say, like, well, but Nurk's, like, really good at this, that, and the other. Okay, but if it doesn't bear out, and it didn't bear out in the bubble, I don't know what you want me to do. There's a lot, of, like, Drew Holiday, honestly, it was like this, where it was like, look, he's really good. Their defense is terrible, even when he's on the court, because a lot of it's just his position. You can't guard everybody, right? And Nurkic yeah. at center, you can have more of an impact, but that's how Rudy Gobert does it. He impacts so many plays that he ticks off points per possession in all these different situations. But Nurk's not Rudy Gobert. And so definitely I, I personally do not see it with this Portland team. I do not see this team as radically better than last year's very middling, probably shouldn't have made the playoffs group.
0: Yeah, Dame caught fire at the right time, and and they yep. had a pretty weak schedule going into the thing. Like there, there's definitely like some factors there. I I probably counter with saying that the baseline is is a little bit higher than it was before. Like Nurkic being back just adds to the rotation a little bit more than they had with with Whiteside, and and Covington just adds to the rotation a little bit more than what they had with just Mellow and. Gary Trent being yeah. a little older, they did add J- Derek Jones Jr., which is kind of a, a fringe signing I like. Like, they didn't they say like he could start this year? Yeah, they said
1: the same thing about Mario Ozonia last year. Ooh, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> just, love, just love for the perspective on how that went. Like, I read four <laughs> different Mario Azonia puff pieces last year in preseason for the Blazers.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, they 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 are the kings of that. Now, I like
1: um, Derek Jones Jr. A lot. Like Derek Jones Jr. is actually an NBA player, so like and he might like i could see that like start him at the three cub at the four nurk at the five okay you you might have that's that's two defenders right so maybe <laughs> maybe you're not so bad maybe that brings covington or maybe that brings nurk up where he only he doesn't have to worry about as much perimeter containment he's only got to worry about it from the guards like that might help i could see that again i'm not married yeah. to the take i think like if everybody is so convinced like what's been crazy to me is everyone's like, I think Portland's going to be at like a, if they're playing A2 games, like a 50 plus win team and like a top three seed in the Western conference. And I'm
2: like, you realize Dame played all last year, right? Like Dame played. So did CJ. Like a lot, a lot. And and they
1: were not good. They were sub 500 and you think they're going to win 50, but everyone's so convinced. I kind of have to be like, like, it's just one of those. I do this a lot where if I look around and I'm the only one, I'm always like, I'm probably wrong here. So I I'm know. open to being you've had, a,
0: you've had a couple of positive moments in that regard. It's true. It's true. <laughs> um, but I do, tend, but I, I do tend to like, I don't, what
1: I don't want to do is I don't want to be one of those people that's like, I don't care, I'm doubling down. Like, no, if like smart people have made these arguments, then I'm open to them. But I, at this point, I have not been swayed. I personally still believe the Blazers are not going to be good as expected.
0: Yeah. I mean, when, when I look at them, they, they're a team that, if, if I say, hey, Murray Porter and Jokic are out there, they're a team that I don't think the Nuggets are going to have any trouble scoring on that group. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's just that. Uh, okay, tier two. I have the Clippers and the Nuggets in this tier. Uh, I think that's probably like, like it, it's fine. I, I think that the Nuggets and the Clippers were in the same tier last year for, uh, like, throughout the year, they were there going back and forth between the two and the three. And they had matchup questions. And I think that people underrated the fact that even though the Clippers had a matchup advantage on the wings, the Nuggets had a really big matchup advantage at the one and the five. And that really kicked their butt. Uh, Where are you at with the Clippers right now? And and why do I think that it's not going to work again? I mean, my
1: thing is just, their problems are all the intangible elements of chemistry, which are only solved by force of personality. And that can't happen when your leader does not care. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about, I'm not trying to like make Kawhi Leonard out to be a bad person. He's not required to do these things. Like Kawhi Leonard's entire status has been, I'm going to play basketball really well. I'm going to get paid a lot of money. I'm going to live how I want. And that's what he has decided is how he's going to live his life. Sure. Do any of his teammates feel that he cares about them? Any of them?
0: Like, I can't imagine. Like, wants any, it. Like, does he want good things for them? Oh man. Like, I, I was gonna say maybe Paul George or Serge Ibaka, but like I can't even say that.
1: Really. Even then, it seems very much like a professional partnership of like, yeah, we could do this. Like, if we do the uh, this, then we can do this. Maybe we should do more of this. Yeah. But. It's all very much like this is what all the the columns have been about. It's like it's all about what Kawhi wants. And Kawhi doesn't seem to care what anybody else wants. And that's – I'm not saying that's bad. He doesn't have to. They're just coworkers. I've worked in offices where I didn't care about other people. That's fine. Like I would still be nice to people. But it's it's okay. Um, I think it's hard to get through a season that way if you want to get into the tactical stuff, if you want to move that aside, okay. And you say like, well, they were still a two season Western conference last year. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know that Tyloo immediately solves all their problems. Like do they win that series if Montrez Harrell does not play. I'm willing to say maybe I think that in general, I always find these things to be very oblivious to the fact that Joker would have eventually started turning Zubach inside out. Like by the end Uh, of that series, He was annihilating him too. Um, the, pl- the nice plus minuses would not have held. Um, the good defensive numbers would not have held. Joker was always going to embarrass that kid. Like good player, not in Joker's league.
2: Um, yeah.
1: I don't trust any team that was reliant that much upon Lou Williams, who does not have a good playoff track record. They should rack up a lot of wins, though. They just should rack up a lot of wins. But if if I look at the playoffs. They're still dependent on Lou Williams. They're still dependent on Marcus Morris. They're still dependent on the chemistry of Kawhi Leonard and his teammates, and I don't trust any of that. Serge is not the player that he used to be. Now, that's an upgrade. I think Ibaka over Harrell in that circumstance is an upgrade. Like, he does the things that they needed Harrell to do that he couldn't. Sure. They've talked a lot about switching up their defensive schemes, which I think is crucial. They need to play a more diverse scheme. They play a lot
2: of drop, which is a big reason I took Denver in that series. Yep. Um, but... In general, I don't look at that team.
1: I don't look at Kennard over Landry Shamit and go, that's a big upgrade. Um, sure. They didn't upgrade the point guard spot. And the fact that Patrick Beverly loved Montrez Harrell and knows pretty obviously that Kawhi, like there's, there's rumors out over the short offseason that Kawhi wanted an upgraded point guard. In so, fact, Beverly's got to be loving it as somebody who's been constantly passed over his entire career. Yeah. Got to feel great about that. They haven't solved a lot of their problems. And I think asking Ty Lue, it's like, well, the Cavs, they have problems, and you fix them. This is not the Cavs. This is not LeBron James. This is not Kyrie Irving. It's not Kevin Love. This is not the same group of dudes. It's not the same. Um, they're going to they're gonna have, like, you talk about show me. Like They're going to have to show me that they can do it. The Nuggets got worse on court. The Clippers didn't get better in the locker room.
0: Yeah. And I, I struggle to think with which of those things matters more. I I would tend to think that on the court probably matters more, but like we, we just had this discussion last playoffs and that, that bore out exactly the way that you thought it might. Like I, I tend to think that the, the point guard thing is a lot more crucial than people realize, especially in a playoff series where it just felt like it was a collection of players playing pick and roll and, and, getting to like doing the things that they wanted to do on an ISO basis. And like, I I wish that they had found somebody who could set the table for their stars better on a more consistent basis. They probably don't need it all the time, but to have it in certain situations might make things a lot more easy. But Kawhi doesn't want that. That's the problem, Ryan. Kawhi doesn't want that. Yeah. Didn't like Kyle Lowry. Won him a championship, but it didn't matter. Like, like crazy. I, I just I don't get it. But if I were to pick a winner between those between the Clippers and Nuggets in that series, I'd probably pick the Clippers right now because of how important Jeremy, Jeremy Grant Randall. was. Yeah. But I I tend to think, hey, is is Michael Porter Jr. a guy that could step up into that role and defend one of those stars on a consistent basis and probably get cooked, but like also give it back on the other end? Yeah, I think he probably could. Like I think that they they I, establish I a little bit of. I'd probably take the Clippers after I took the Denver uh, Nuggets last year, but
1: I am going to want to see the regular season matchups again. That's why I'm excited for Christmas. I'm excited to see it on Christmas. I want to see what does it look like. Um, The Nuggets had better be ready though, because that team is going to want much like it did in February (laughs) when it thought that it won the series. Um, That was fun back in February when they won that game in Staples and thought that they won the series versus the Nuggets. fun. (laughs) Um, They're going to want to send the same kind of notice on Christmas. They better Denver better be ready
0: for this one. I. Yeah, I will. We'll see. We'll see what they, they, they notoriously have a trouble uh, starting things up in the regular season at a, at a brisk pace. But it is what it is. Um, all right, final team: the Los Angeles Lakers. They're in their tier of their own, and I think that that's probably fair, given what we saw in the playoffs from every single team this past year. They got better. They got Marc Gasol. They got Montrez Harrell for cheap. Uh, they got all of these guys that. that can probably help them in various ways. Uh, do you have any, any questions about this team heading into the year? Nope. Cool. I'm, I, I'm <laughs> with you. Like, honestly, like,
1: I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> um, the biggest thing is, like, look, the, the units, if you dug into the numbers last year, they struggled whenever they ran Davis units without LeBron, without Rondo. Um, that may not make sense, but it's true. Like, Rondo helped Davis a lot. Sure. Uh, but without another playmaker on the court, the Davis units really struggled on both ends of the floor. Dennis Schroeder solves a lot of that. Marcus Salt helps with that. Like they added guy and Montrez Harrell will just rim run. They added guys that fit next to Davis that will complement him more and make things easier on him, as if that guy's life isn't already easy enough. Um you know, I don't love bringing back Marquise Morris, but he was fine. Alex Caruso is
0: an impact player. He wasn't. I was just going to say, like, like that's a guy who I think. Hey, I kind of, kind of hate to say it, but Alex Caruso stepping up into a pretty solid ball handler yep. for them. He was great. Uh, Contavius Caldwell Pope seems to have discovered what
1: he needed to discover to be a reliable NBA player. Um, like a lot of young players do, he was given the right, he was put in the right circumstance, and has made the most of it. Um, yeah, they're just good they're just they're i mean they're the best team in the league and they should repeat i have put money on them to repeat so right. uh I, I don't see any way denver beats them i don't see any way that any other team the clippers can beat them i'll say that the clippers can beat them but the clippers have to figure it like if the clippers have find someone to be their leader then yeah they can beat them um but this is lebron's
0: kingdom until he says otherwise yeah, it's it's definitely been talked about that way. That's for sure. Um, I uh, and I, I, I agree. Like it's definitely not for lack of agreement there. Um, if you're the Nuggets and they just lost all their wings, uh, what what is if if you're in a playoff series against the Lakers, what are you doing to to match up with the LeBron AD combination when those guys are at the three and the four? Uh, I'm putting bull bull on Anthony Davis.
1: Okay. The idea that will be resisted upon is Davis will eat him alive in the post. The reality is that Davis is not that great of a post scorer. That's surprising to a lot of people, but he takes a lot of mid-range fadeaways that you live with and and that bowl can block. Uh, He does most of his damage from face-up, mid-range, off-the-catch, that kind of stuff, and rim running. You put bull bull on him, and that's what you try and do. Uh, You put Jermichael Green on LeBron, and you play him as many minutes as you can in that matchup. Uh, Paul's always struggled with it. I love Paul Millsap, but it's the one guy that he just can't deal with. There's a couple others, but that one mostly is like, <laughs> yeah, sorry, hard. Paul can't yeah. deal with
0: that one guy. Like, can't, that's, that's, can't deal with sorry. that
1: one guy, LeBron James, but yeah. I think it's frustrating because <laughs> Paul knows that like physically he should be able to, and it's just everything that makes Paul good. LeBron is and better. Um, yeah. Uh, in terms of like defensive matchups and then, um, I think a lot of it is is i would just I would hound LeBron, I would just I would be sending blitzes at him constantly, and i would I would make Anthony Davis carry the scoring load absolutely and make him make the kind of threes that he made last year
2: because I don't think he does that ever again in his career. Do you put m p j at the two or do you take him off the floor um Uh, no, I'd probably play him at the three. I would put Will at the two with Jamal. I would play Jamal, Will, MPJ, well, now I'm not playing Jokic, am I? (laughs) This is their problem. This is their,
0: this is their issue. Like, I, I think here's, here's my take. I think the, the situation that they probably have to get themselves into is that they have to have MPJ be willing to guard Anthony Davis in the post, and and be willing to to battle with him? Yeah, He's a guy that he has foul the length. Out. That's the problem with any of that is like MPJ will just foul out. Yeah, so then it's it's going to be the same with LeBron. It's probably going to be the same against any five that they put on the floor as well. Yep. Um, it, they're they're in between a rock and a hard place while while this Lakers team is there. And Jeremy Grant solves some problems there, but definitely doesn't solve all of them. So. All right. Well, Matt, I've taken up way too much of your time. Thank you for uh, thank you for hopping on with me. I, I genuinely appreciate it. It's, uh, it's always good to talk basketball with you, man. Thanks for having me, man. That'll do it on this episode of Nuggets Numbers. Thank you for tuning in. We will talk about training camp and everything else that's going on uh, very, very shortly. Make sure to like and subscribe on, on Apple Podcasts and make sure to leave a nice and pleasant review. I, I appreciate everybody, and we'll talk to you guys very soon.